download the Sacktown Sports app and listen to Whitey and Watkins on your smartphone. Welcome back to Sacktown Sports. I'm Brian No, He's Chris Watkins. Man, so we were just talking about big surprises from week one, Chris. We'll couple that with the 49ers. This is uh, potentially an additional good sign for them. So Niners dominate the Steelers. And then how about this? The Arizona Cardinals, who I don't think anybody thinks anything positive about. (laughs) Not a single positive thought. Arizona actually played better yesterday than the Seahawks did. (laughs) Think about that from a 49ers standpoint. Is that an additional good sign for the 49ers going forward? Because I would say it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the Cardinals, like you said, I mean, there's there's really nothing positive to take out of what the Cardinals are are planning to do this season. I mean, they they had a shot at, at winning that game yesterday, uh, didn't pull through. And, you know, the Commanders are another team who don't have a lot of expectations this year. But I, I definitely think it's a positive for the Niners that that the Cowboys or I'm sorry, that the Cardinals look better than the Seahawks, because I mean, realistically, the Seahawks are the only team that I think has enough top end talent to to maybe uh you know be in contention with the Niners in the NFC West like you know even if the Rams have a have a what they would consider a good season I don't think it'll touch what the Niners do whereas if the Seahawks were to have what they would consider a good season that's that's really competing with what the Niners are trying to do I just still have a hard time believing what happened to the Seahawks yesterday yeah. and you touched on it it was not just Geno Smith and Aaron Donald's steamrolling him, and he's like, oh, my gosh, like, has to get rid of the football, uh, just bearing down on him. It was guys named Puka Nakua out of BYU who is a rookie. That's his first game. Yeah, and Tutu Atwell. You had Puka and Tutu (laughs) go for a buck 19 apiece. They each had 119 yards receiving yesterday against the Seahawks defense. Yeah. And that's wow. concerning for the Seahawks defense, and I know uh, their their top pick, uh, Devon Witherspoon, didn't play in this one, but it's still concerning. I mean, the defense is really the thing that was uh, the Seahawks' problem last year, and it doesn't seem like they've they've really gotten much improved in that area. They're bringing back Bobby Wagner, who, you know, at this point is definitely past his best days, and their, their defense is going to be the thing that can really end up sinking the ship, I think. Again, like their offense has enough weapons to where – you know, even if Geno isn't as spectacular as he was last year, they've got enough weapons to feed to where their offense should be serviceable. But if they don't have a defense, then they don't have a chance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and you think about the Niners, it couldn't have gone better Yeah, the way the day was yep. because you're not going to be shaking in your boots about the Rams, no. even though I think we both believe they're going to be better than what they were last season. They play them next week. Yeah, and, and think about – but the Seahawks, this week, I should say, sorry. Right, right. Well, sure. <laughs> I guess technically, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, uh, I know what you meant. Um, uh, the Seahawks were thought to be maybe challengers mm-hmm. in that division. And make no mistake, I'm not saying the Niners are like, hey, kick your feet up. It's right. all good. We got this wrapped up. But if you're talking about the way the day unfolded, it wasn't just dominating the Steelers, mm-hmm. who a lot of people thought might pull the upset. Yeah. Who a lot of people were at least taking the points if you are this so guy. inclined to do. is that right yeah 
Oh, man. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, how are the Niners favored in Heinz Field when, you know, again, the, the Steelers had all this momentum going into there? I got proven wrong. I, I can admit it. I was way wrong. Yeah. Well, it happens, yeah. man. It happens to the best of yeah. us. Especially week one. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's something that you mentioned about Bobby Wagner where he's back with the Seahawks yeah. now. Obviously, he was with the Rams last year. But I saw this uh, this article on The Athletic, and it says the NFL's most intriguing players, 23 to watch for the 2023 season. Okay? So Mike Jones, he put this piece together. And so the criteria is it's not like, say, Mahomes, right, where sure. you're thinking there's some intrigue. How's it going to unfold exactly? Right. Are they taking the next step as a team or an individual? That sort of thing. We know – Mahomes is bona fide, right? Yeah. So he's not on this list. So the list starts with Aaron Rodgers for obvious reasons and just goes from there. You you go down, number three on the list, Brock Purdy. Mm. Yeah. I agree with that. Absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. You scroll down a little bit more, Chris, and it's like, okay, Lamar Jackson, Odell Beckham Jr., got it. We got Jordan Love at 12th. Okay, cool. Justin Fields, Bears quarterback, got it. Number 17 on the list. Ernest Jones, Rams linebacker. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> it was like Bobby Wagner's gone. How's it gonna unfold for Ernest Jones? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, we're all we're all wondering. I mean, you know, we've been blocking off a whole hour to to talk Ernest Jones filling in for Bobby. Like, what? What? Yeah, super random. But no. and and followed by <laughs> Calvin Ridley, Jaguars oh, receiver. Man. How about the day Calvin Ridley had yesterday? My God. Fantastic. Oh, so good. I mean, he that's was. that's such a big weapon for, for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you know, they, they made a big splash last offseason in, the, in, the, in free agency, bringing in Christian Kirk. Uh, for them to actually, you know, get a true number one caliber receiver in Calvin Johnson, I mean, he, he hit the ground running. And I, I think Jacksonville is one of those teams. I'm sorry. Did I say – who did I say? Calvin Johnson. I said Calvin Johnson. It would be great if Calvin Johnson it was out there. Great. Uh, Calvin Ridley, yeah. If if you know if Calvin Ridley can uh, can continue the play that he had yesterday, I mean that's that's really big for Jacksonville, who I think can even they can sneak up on people. You know they they I don't think are really feared in that AFC. They're not really in the tier of you know Buffalo and Cincinnati and obviously Kansas City, but they're they're a team that is I think capable of making some noise. I think so too. It's weird because they're a, a case by case team, meaning. There are a lot of people who feel about Jacksonville the way you explained it. Mm-hmm. And then there are other people who they're a trendy pick to have the most wins. Really? Of any team this season. Yeah. It wow. was the the most bet team to wow. have the most wins. And I'm like, hmm. really? I get it. It's a weaker division. Weak division right. They they took a big jump by six wins from twenty twenty one to last year. I, I get all of that, yeah. but it really does depend on who you who you ask? Definitely. Some people, some people have high expectations. Some people, it's a, a bit of a shoulder shrug, like you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, bag. yeah, they kind of give me. I mean, obviously, they they kind of give Lions vibes in the sense of it feels like their success should kind of be viewed on a curve because of how bad they've been in the past. It feels like, you know, even them being in that conversation, I think is is a massive jump. But I'm not willing to take a whole nother leap and say that they should be you know, might have the most wins in the NFL this year. It is a really bad division that they're in, especially, I mean, Tennessee looked 
Ryan Tannehill's career looked like it's it's really close <laughs> to being over. But it, you know, I think that they they're definitely going to put up some wins. But I, I don't think that they're anywhere near the best teams in the NFL. By the way, the last two teams that you mentioned, this isn't just about the teams; it's about strategy. What did you think about this? So it was on the plus side of the two minute warning, and Tennessee had fourth and six, mm-hmm. and they kicked the field goal to be down by one point. Yeah, they had all their timeouts. They had the two minute warning. They did what the Chiefs didn't do. Right, right, like. The Chiefs went for it on fourth and twenty-five at like their own twenty or something like I that. I still don't understand that move at all. I just don't. Yeah, and the Titans they went they yeah. they kicked the field goal on fourth and six from right. like the Saints twenty right. or, or thereabouts, yeah. right? And they it. didn't get the ball back. Mm-hmm. They didn't get the ball back. Jacksonville yesterday they were down by four. There were roughly about ten minutes to play. Yeah, and they went for it and they got it. And so I'm curious where you stand. Me, with Mike Vrabel, I understand trusting your defense. Mm-hmm. I understand kicking the field goal, goal, going down by one point, and expecting to get a stop. It's just risky. It is yeah. very, very risky to leave it in the hands of your defense. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the Chiefs should have done when they're facing 4th and 25. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially but, when you have Patrick Mahomes, who can he's proven he can score in 13 seconds or at least get you into range. Yeah. Like, yeah. I understand the Vrabel thing for the sense of, yeah, I mean, actually, uh, I would almost argue that he's having such a bad day. If you're in position, you should probably take, take advantage shot. of it. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it, I, that's what's so frustrating about, you know, the, the NFL coaches nowadays. And it feels like there's some guys that are getting a little bit more consistent, but it does feel like – it's a case-to-case basis on how people approach their, you know, their fourth down strategy or their end of game strategy. I like the level of consistency. Like I like the fact that Mike Tomlin is just like, I'm not afraid to go for two. I'm not afraid to go for it on fourth down. It seems like where a lot of these coaches get in trouble or get, you know, people talking is when they have these inconsistencies of, Oh, but you, you go for it on that fourth down, but now you opt to kick it. So you're being aggressive in some situations. And, you know, I'm sure, you know what it's it's you know hindsight's always 2020 in those cases but i feel like for the most part i would just appreciate a level of consistency at an nfl coach by the way days. with megadeth on deck yeah you just recited a megadeth lyric right there didn't and didn't even, even, even realize didn't it. even know it from sweating bullets hindsight is always 2020 always you it said always. it right there yep. that's beautiful but <laughs> i think um listen there's nothing wrong with playing defense uh kicking a field goal to go down by one with all of your timeouts. I'm not saying it's automatically wrong. Yeah. It is risky, but in today's offensive obsessed NFL, yeah. if it backfires, it feels even more wrong. Yeah. That that you went the defensive route. Mm-hmm. I, I would say it's risky, but it feels more wrong yeah. just because we're so go for it. Go exactly. for it. What are you Yeah, that's the way it is now. All right, coming up next, why are we convinced? Simple question. Will it have a complex answer? We'll find out. I'm Brian No. He's Chris Watkins. It is Sacktown Sports and SacktownSports.com. At your desk, on your phone, in the car. Whitey and Watkins. On Sacktown Sports. Welcome back into Sacktown Sports. 
I'm Brian No. He's Chris Watkins. Tell me Holy Wars does nothing for you, Chris, and I'll call you a liar. I mean, it got the blood flowing for there sure. You, that's what I'm a, talking like, about. I don't know yeah. if I know what situation I would be in where I need to get, like, this amped, but if I, you know, yeah, if I were about to go into, uh, I don't know, maybe like a job interview or something, and I'm feeling like, <laughs> oh, like, I'm kind of like, I'm nervous, like, I don't want to mess up, like, I might... I, I wouldn't put it on, but if it were on, like I could imagine <laughs> Crush myself. some Red Bulls. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely something yeah. where it's like, it's time, like almost like a power minute yeah. where it's just like, you really need to amp yourself up real quick. It, I can see that, that being useful for that for sure. It's my for, workout motivation for sure. When I'm, when I'm working out, I go, that's I go, too much. Oh really? See, yeah, I, no I get in my own head and I'm yelling at myself and I'm <laughs> pretending I'm trying to save my life or whatever, you know, when you're working out and you're wow. just, you know, you got to get intense, dude. You're, you're super intense. That's yeah. crazy yeah. intense. Uh, and you're just doing like curls. That's a bench press specifically, because like you're underneath all that heavy weight. Like yeah. if it goes, you go. I go. Uh, so yeah. I'm in that mind. I'm in that uh, killer be killed mind. mentality. Yes, I'm 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 in the holy war. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> there's no worse feeling when you're lifting weights and you're bench pressing. Oh yeah. man. And you don't have a spotter. Yeah. And you're thinking, I got one more in me. Yeah. No. And then you get to that point where it's do or die. We, we got to get past this little point. Yep. I need a yeah. centimeter, and it's all good. And it's going south. It's going down to the chest. That is a lonely feeling yeah. right there. Yeah, I've had that happen. I had to roll it off my stomach. Yep. I had a oh, huge bruise man. on my stomach. <laughs> and I was like, where did this come from? Yeah, it's not great. I always just try and do one less. Like, if I have any doubt in my mind, I'm just, especially if I don't have a spotter, I'm like, I'm not, not pushing this. No. Yeah. Man, I can't. I just don't want to be that guy that, yeah, gets, you know, his neck trapped under the bar and oh, dies or, man. you know, or just yeah. looks stupid. <laughs> the worst yeah. is just look. The, uh, for me, a lot of the gym is just trying to not stick out at all. So Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's a tough spot. <laughs> if you're in the gym, it's bad enough where you have to yell at someone like, hey, little help. Yeah. You try to make yeah. that help, look help, as help. cool as possible. <laughs> yeah. But if you're just alone, yeah, you don't have many good moves no. in the arsenal right there no. you know Keep it's it like either nate did roll it off or if you don't have clips like try to just tip one side yeah. completely over yep. and, oh not good man mm -hmm. you're talking lose, rotator lose. cuff yep. yeah not good at all okay so uh simple question why are we convinced brock purdy is that guy <laughs> okay i hate this sounds like the the worst idea ever to bring this up the day after Brock Purdy looked <laughs> right. great and the Niners looked yeah. phenomenal. But I'm just asking this, Chris, and I do think it's a fair question. Mm -hmm. Why are we convinced Brock Purdy is that guy capable of not only leading this team deep into the playoffs, but winning a Super Bowl? That's what we're talking here. Yeah. Why would we be convinced when what we've seen is he beat the Seahawks? Okay. Uh, the Niners beat the Cowboys, not because of their offense, but because Dak threw those two costly interceptions. Primarily, that's how they won that game. So why are we convinced that he's a Super Bowl contending guy on this team instead of a less good-looking Jimmy G? <laughs> he easily could be that, yeah, right? So I, For sure. I'm just pushing back on being utterly convinced. It's yeah. possible, and he looked really good yesterday. But it's not a certainty that he is that guy. Yeah, I think a lot of it is, I mean, 
he's good enough for this offense. And you you know, you mentioned Jimmy G, him being very similar to Jimmy G. Jimmy G was really close to winning the 49ers a championship. Like he he was on the doorstep. He's an overthrown ball away from really beating the Chiefs in that game. And I think that Brock is is just capable of of you know driving this car to the point of you know where they need to get. I, I don't think that necessarily he's gonna you know, he provides things in this offense that maybe other guys didn't, like that touchdown pass to Ayuk. I don't necessarily think that that's something that Jimmy G would have uh, would have done. I don't think he would have laid it out there like that for his receiver to go make a play. That's kind of like what, what Brock brings to this team that's been different. And I'm not going to say outside of this 49er situation that I would – recommend any team bring in Brock Purdy as as a guy that they would expect to be their long-term answer but again for the situation he's in I think he's I just think he's he's serviceable enough and it all is dependent on on the talent around him and it's really just don't mess it up don't wreck Mm -hmm. the Ferrari and you'll be fine And, and for the most part I think he's a very responsible driver I think that it depends on where we're asking him to drive. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. uh, he's certainly good enough to orchestrate the offense and win a bunch of regular season games, yeah. which Jimmy G did also. Yes, he did. He's shown that he's probably good enough with this supporting cast to win some playoff games. Yeah. But is he good enough to drive it to where Jimmy G couldn't? Where in that Super Bowl, Emmanuel Sanders is open. We got to be special. We got to make a play. It's before halftime. We've got a lead. It's time to be aggressive mm-hmm. instead of just going to half up by, I think, 10 at the time. Yeah. Like, let's push this. Let's push this lead. Let's try to get in field goal range. And it was like, let's not rock the boat too much. You know, it's time to be aggressive here. Can he be that guy where Kyle Shanahan feels comfortable being aggressive and he can make a special time? when we're possibly on the biggest stage, can he drive the bus there? Because no one can know if that's true or not yet. And that's why I am like, whoa, 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 why are we we certain he is that guy? Because that's the way people are talking right now. Yeah, and people are definitely talking like that. I I think I agree with you in the sense of we just don't have that answer yet, and so I'm not willing to say he can get them that far, but – he can get them to that point, but there does become a point where you have to have an elite quarterback. And, you know, like when you're going to, you know, in the NFC, we, we were talking earlier about how that quarterback, uh, you know, the quarterbacks in the NFC aren't nearly as elite as what you have to deal with in the AFC. But there becomes a point in every playoff game or every playoff run where your quarterback is the thing that's going to have to set you above uh, the team that you're going against because mm-hmm. there gets to a point where everybody's got good players. Again, the 49ers play the Eagles in the NFC championship game. There's just as much talent on the Eagles side as the 49ers. And the big difference could just be in quarterback play. And in those moments, that's where Brock Purdy, to me, he still has to show that he's got something different. And I think 49ers fans have convinced themselves just kind of through his moxie and his presence that Mm -hmm. that's what's different. That's what sets him apart from Jimmy G this kind of stoic, always super cool guy never really gets super excited or fiery. And they see that out of Brock. And I think in those big moments, they feel like that energy will take them to a different level, but 
that stuff is is kind of all fantasy. Like that's not that's sometimes it is about like it is as simple as can he make that wide open throw over the middle of the field to Emmanuel Sanders? Point blank period. Can he do that in those moments? That's that's the part that's still yet to be seen. Can he go out there in a very high leverage situation and execute on the highest level? Or even, for, like, can he make plays that aren't there in those moments and not make mistakes? All that stuff is still to be to be determined, and I'm not willing to go out on a limb and say, I believe in this kid just because he has a presence to him. I think people would have made the same mistake in saying Baker Mayfield. Like, he has that, that presence, that swagger to him, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to go out there and produce out on the football field. I wonder how much... Jimmy G thinks about that one throw. Oh, I'm sure all the time. Right? I'm sure think he would if, never admit it, but it's got to right? play in his head all the time. If you were Jimmy G, think how often you would think about that one throw and knowing mm-hmm. what what things could be like. Oh my gosh! If that one throw was completed, he's probably still the quarterback. quarterback. As crazy as that is, it's crazy. And just man. the way we would talk about him would be much, much oh. different. Completely different. Yeah. That's crazy, man. All right, a, a few more things on this. Um, Purdy Palooza versus the former guy compared to the current guys. Mm-hmm. There's something we got to throw out there as far as that goes. I'm Brian No, He's Chris Watkins. It's Sacktown Sports and SacktownSports.com. Now on YouTube, search Sackdown Sports and watch the show from your desk. Welcome back to Sackdown Sports. I'm Brian No. He's Chris Watkins. Man, it's never great for uh, a team. This time it was the Pittsburgh Steelers. When a guy matches his career sack total in one game. Not this is what happened with Drake, uh, Drake Jackson right there. Uh, he is only in his second year. Yeah. But um, played 15 games last season, Mm -hmm. had three sacks, and then yesterday had three sacks. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned with uh, with Emil Colton McKivitz struggling uh, on the offensive side. To me, that was a big indicator of the fact that he didn't get to go against Nick Bosa all off season long. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's that was really the biggest thing about Nick Bosa not being there was the fact that there was guys who could have really benefited from him being there. I mean, it's good that Drake Jackson uh, had the day he did, but, you know, it just – it it didn't feel like uh, that Niners team was was really able to – and it's why I was so concerned for them heading into week one. It just never felt like the intensity was there during training camp or in, like, the guys who needed to learn from guys like Nick Bosa. You know, it, it just they, – they didn't get that opportunity. So it was great to see Jake, Drake Jackson perform like that. Um, but yeah, definitely. I, I think, uh, I think the Bosa thing kind of hurt them on the offensive end. Funny enough. It's a great take by you. Thank I really you. like that Thank take, you. um, because you're right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not just like, uh, Kyle Shanahan joked, unless he's got a beer belly, right. <laughs> he'll be on the field against the Steelers. And sometimes you just think it's only a Bosa thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's back out there. Hey, Bosa looks fine. It's all good. But there's a ripple effect mm-hmm. without him being in camp. And look, it's not the way it used to be in training camp where these guys, they used to bang in Two training Two-a-days, like three-a-days oh, yeah. in some cases. Yeah. But still, they get their work in. Mm-hmm. 
And even if you're not going full full bore, it's right. not live all the time. Just getting your work in with someone like Nick Bosa, absolutely that strengthens your offensive line. Well, especially when you got to go against week one, TJ Watt. Like, right. who, who's the best guy at, who's, who could probably give you a good look for TJ Watt is, is Nick Bosa. And exactly, I just I, I think that, you know, they just could have benefited from them. I think Drake Jackson, is, like you mentioned him being in his second year, he probably would have benefited a lot from having uh, Bosa out there to, you know, bounce ideas off of, give his thoughts. And, you know, I mean, Bosa's doing – Definitely enough helping with how much attention he gets, but you know, there's there's nothing more valuable than just picking somebody's brain, especially one of the elite pass rushers in the NFL. That's like for McKiffitz, if he were a baseball player, that would be like getting in the batting cages and facing eighty five mile per hour fastballs. Exactly. And then week one, it's like, okay, here's a roll this Chapman. Yeah. Try to hit 103. It's like, whoa, dude. This is not what I've been practicing all off-seat. Wait, hold on. Yeah. 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 It's a lot like that. So we'll see. Next game, if McKivitz looks a lot better. Because, again, that is T.J. Watt. Yes. We get that. But that's been the question mark is – the right side of the offensive line for mm-hmm. the Niners. Yep. So that's that's got to be better. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, 100%. As far as Purdy goes, and it's a good way to bring him back into this, I like how you put it. He's good enough. Like, he's serviceable enough. Yeah. The th- And I don't disagree with you. The thing that I wonder is the injury bug. We talked about it with George Kittle with the, the groin situation. Mm-hmm. Let's say George Kittle misses a few games. Let's say Christian McCaffrey, who's been healthy, knock on wood, he remains that way. He's a guy who played 10 games over two years. Mm -hmm. What if Christian McCaffrey's dinged up? What if Trent Williams is out? What if Kittle misses a little bit of time? What if, what if, what if, right? What if then, right? That's a what if that we have to think about. And it's not just him, like Purdy versus Jimmy G. It's Purdy versus the top guys that he's going to be on the same field with come playoff time. Right. And you think about Jalen Hurts. Think how special he was in the Super Bowl for the Eagles. Think about Mahomes, how special he was without Tyreek Hill for an entire season on a bum ankle. Think about Stafford a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Last minute, pinpoint accuracy to Cooper Cup on that stage to win it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Can he do that if he's in those situations? Yeah. And that's a question that you can't realistically say, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> right. It's, it's a maybe at mm-hmm. best right now. Yeah, he's got to play more big games, and some of those will happen this year. The Niners don't have the biggest cakewalk of a schedule. They've, they've got a big matchup with the, with the Cowboys coming up here in a couple weeks. They play the Eagles later in the season. They have to play Jacksonville. They have to play uh, Cincinnati. They, they've got some games in which Brock Purdy's going to have to step up. And, that, you know, and even then, regular season is not the postseason. It is not as nearly as high leverage in the regular season. There's always next week if you don't, you know, give your 100%. But you're right. Like, Jalen Hurts was incredible in that Super Bowl. Maybe the best game he's played in his entire life. And even that wasn't enough. Yeah. Like, can Brock Purdy get to that level? And you could say, oh, that's against the Chiefs, against Patrick Mahomes. Like, not everyone's – they might not have to play the Chiefs. Okay, well, you're telling me Joe Burrow isn't going to put up a great game? You're telling me Josh Allen isn't capable of putting – there's so much talent in that AFC. Again, it's something else we've been talking about. Like, 
he's going to have to, in one of these really high leverage big games, he's going to have to do some things that are just, that are better than a game manager, that are better than good enough. He's going to have to, and it could, you know, he could definitely be be aided by some of the talent he has. Maybe it's just, you know, putting your guys in situations to succeed, but He's going to be tested. He's he's going to be thrown in the fire because you better believe it's going to be a lot of teams' game plans to essentially just sell out on Christian McCaffrey and and say make Brock Purdy beat us, please. And you know a lot easier said than done, but it's going to happen at some point where Brock Purdy is going to have to play well enough himself to elevate the Niners to a victory. It reminds me of the movie Training Day, sure, where Denzel yes. Washington says. It ain't like stepping on ants, Jake. <laughs> so now he's talking about something completely different than playing quarterback. But that's the way I feel about playing quarterback on the playoff stage, on the Super Bowl stage. Right. It ain't like stepping on ants, Jake. Right. And if you have to make a special play, I'm not telling you he can't. I'm just telling you right. I'm not certain he can. Right. There's a big difference there. Uh, because he's elevated the expectations. There's no doubt. 100%. I would have told you I really doubt he's that guy as Mr. Irrelevant. Right. And, man, when he's operating that Lamborghini offense with that type of talent, mm. he's doing a very good job. I take my hat off to him. He played very, very well yesterday. So he has – he's forced us to at least, like, recalibrate our expectations. Yes. That's what he's done, yeah. and that's a good thing. And based on the limited amount of reps that he's gotten and starts that he's gotten, all things considered, looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what we saw from Brock Purdy, and this isn't it's it's not really meant to be a diss or anything or, or even a compliment. I think we just saw an average game. Like two if you look at his at least from the numbers perspective, like two hundred and twenty yards, okay, that's that's fine. It's not you know, Tua threw for 455. Two touchdowns is about what you would expect. The zero interceptions is big. Him just kind of not giving the defense any chance or the other team any chances to to add extra possessions or anything. I think that's going to be big for Brock. But uh, to me, to, sorry to just kind of ch- change the conversation, but like we were talking about injuries earlier on the Niners. Yeah. If the defense sustains some injury, if, if Fred Warner or, right. or if Nick Bosa, if, if he again yeah. is having to – be better than than what the he has been in the past. Like, totally. That's where the questions come. Like, can he can he rise above what what he's been in the past? Like, that's that's the big thing for Brock is, can, you know, yeah. Can, can he win games himself as the quarterback? Like, there's a reason why that position is so important and why so many teams feel like you have to have one of the elites in order to win. It's because. There's going to be many situations, and more so in the playoffs, where that position is the reason why you are going to win or lose a game. Amen to that. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right, coming up next, I have a uh, football confession to make. I don't feel great about it, Chris, but I'm going to make it. And yeah. it's, uh, it's a safe space. Yeah, it's uh, your team is oh, uh, the never source mind. over here. It's, uh, oh, boy. I uh, I have to I have to hear what my uh, penance is going to be for this. Not <laughs> one of my bright ideas. It's on the way. I'm Brian. No, he's Chris Watkins at Sacktown Sports and SacktownSports.com. Yeah. 
Download the Sacktown Sports app and listen to Whitey and Watkins on your smartphone. It is Sacktown Sports. I'm Brian No. He's Chris Watkins. So, Chris, you know, I I don't have bright ideas all the time. You know, every now and then I have the opposite of a bright idea. I think I was one week premature when I went with um, Justin Jefferson okay. under 88.5 receiving yards. He had uh, over a buck 30 yeah. in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. He's ended special. with 150. He's freakishly good. Now, I think back to last year, it was week two, and they faced the Eagles, and he did yes. nothing. Yeah. Darius Slay was blanketing yes. him. Yeah. And it's that's the week two matchup coming up here. Yes, it is. You don't got to right? remind me. So maybe I was a week early. Maybe we run it back. What yeah. do you think? But yeah. I would like to confess that was a horrible idea. In it was. Week one. It was a really bad idea. I, I, I really <laughs> would I would love to say, like, well, you know, you were thinking this. this. No, Justin Jefferson, uh, especially in week one. I mean, last year I think he had 200-plus receiving yards in yeah. week one. Just Green absolutely Bay. destroyed the Packers. I mean, yeah. just killed them. Uh, and then, yeah, week two was um, – yeah, yeah. I would I would expect uh, much of the same. I mean, I really don't expect the Vikings to put up much of a fight against the Eagles. I think uh, the Eagles have had the Vikings number number not just last year, but you know, in years past. I think of the the Case Keenum Nick Foles game where the Vikings I think lost thirty five to three or something. Mm. Like the Eagles have just absolutely had the Vikings number. I can't remember the last time the Vikings beat the Eagles. Uh, I would I would not be shocked if Justin Jefferson is held. You said 80 was the number? Yeah, 88 and a half. Yeah, it would yesterday. not surprise me. Especially, I mean, yeah. Jordan Addison had himself a, a nice long catch, and uh, right, they didn't get TJ right. Hawkinson as, as involved as what I think they would like to. So, I might. yeah, I think you might have been a week premature. I think so. Yeah. I think we run it back. Yeah. But uh, for week one, it always – I hate when the NFL makes you look stupid. And it does. <laughs> it does. It, it always, just does. It always I, like, does. There are times where there are a lot of people, smart people, that are like, I'm taking the Giants outright. And then they yeah. did whatever the next phase of laying an egg is. <laughs> right? They, they did that they and did more. That. Exactly. 40 to nothing. Goodness. Incredible. And then, yeah, you mentioned on primetime too, Sunday night. Yeah. But I was just thinking, Tampa's defense is good. Mm-hmm. You get Carlton Davis, Jamel yep. Dean. Like that, this is a pretty good one-two combo right yep. there. I could see it. You know, maybe TJ Hawkinson has a day sure. or – Right, he spreads the wealth a little bit. Nope, nope, it just made me look stupid. Right. That's yeah. the way it goes sometimes. It's, it's how it goes. But you're, yeah. I like your process. Your process was there. You know, TJ. Yeah, they just paid TJ Hawkinson the most of any tight end. Would have made sense to feed him Jordan Addison week one. I mean, yeah, they got him a touchdown, but you would have thought that maybe they feed him a little bit more. But you know, Justin Jefferson, that guy just uh, he finds his way to uh, to just put up yards. It's it's really incredible, and uh, I'm. I am very happy that I get to watch him every week. Yeah, no, he he's is ridiculous. He is. He's different. Otherworldly, right mm-hmm. there. Awesome talent. How about this too? I was thinking about this, Chris. Who falls under this category? This had to feel sweet, right? Mm. Just think about some of these performances yesterday. Individual players. Yeah, I've got a few on my list. Tua Tungavailoa has got to be high. I mean, we'll, we'll compare notes and figure out who we'd put at the top, but. Tua to be the fifth overall pick in 2020. Justin Herbert was the very next pick. Right. 
And Justin Herbert had been more productive the first three seasons than Tua has. Tua had a lot of injury issues and all that type of stuff. But there are a lot of people saying, can you imagine the Dolphins' offense with Herbert instead of Tua? Right. And Tua goes out there, throws for 466 and three touchdowns, leads the game-winning touchdown drive, Mm -hmm. hooks up with Tyreek Hill like a 49-yard pass or something on that final drive. He was sensational. And that had to feel sweet when Justin Herbert is the opposing quarterback. Yeah. It just had to. So props to Tua. That was a sensational game from him. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, and you know, Tua's had a lot of people question him throughout the years, and I've definitely questioned him. But, you know, last year he played incredibly until, you know, started getting injured with the concussion thing. And then that kind of rolled over a bit into this year. I think people still have a lot of health concerns about Tua and if he'll be one of those 17 guys, like you mentioned, the guys yeah. who, who can play 17 games every single year. It must have felt great to just silence everybody. And, you know, I think people, especially in that division, be a lot of talk about the Jets, a lot of talk about the Buffalo Bills, and it feels like Miami's kind of the afterthought. You know, they have an explosive offense, but what else are they really? And then they have a great offseason, bring in Jalen Ramsey, bring in Teron Armstead, who didn't even play. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, Bradley Chubb is is somebody they brought in as well. Like, I, I think that it was a just a great sign for the Dolphins, but absolutely a, a really big game for Tua and, and just silencing all those, those haters. I mean, we were laughing about Brock Purdy saying that, but, you know, yeah, you, you point out the Justin Herbert of it all. Herbert's had an, an incredible start to his season from a st- or his career from a stats perspective, and it feels like people kind of have anointed him as as the next great one, especially from that class, and have kind of forgotten about Tua to an extent. Yeah, and uh, it was like a Big Twelve game. Yes, thirty six <laughs> like to thirty five. Yeah, yeah it was like uh, Oklahoma was in some shootout <laughs> with Oklahoma State. It's bedlam over here, but yeah, thirty six to thirty four, and then the Dolphins' defense which was awful, mm-hmm. finally got a, they got a stop. They had two sacks of Justin Herbert at yep. the end, that final drive, and they made a couple of plays there when it mattered most. Yep. This is a weird game, but I, I'm worried about that Dolphins defense. Vic Fangio, yeah. who is tremendous as a defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. he comes in, I'm like, all right, we're cooking with grease now. Right. And they, they couldn't stop the Chargers offense right. until it mattered most, and they got that key stop at the end. How about some uh, another person This had to feel sweet? Now, this is a little bit complex here. Deshaun Watson. Hmm. Now, Deshaun Watson has missed the better part of two seasons because yeah. of himself, right? Like yep. because of his own decision-making. Yep. Absolutely, no doubt about that. That's why it's a little tricky to bring him up. Yeah. But think about this. He only played, what, those five or six games last season? He's played basically six games in two years. Yeah. And then he gets out there, home game, beats the Bengals, plays okay, had an ugly interception, but a lot better than Burrow. Even though he put himself in that position, that had to feel good to be out there. And for I, I don't know if like the narrative changes a little bit or yeah. at least the focus changes. It had to feel good even though he completely put himself in that bad situation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, he, he, he really struggled last year even when he did play. And, you know, he didn't set the world on fire with this performance either. But to to get that big win and, you know, again, just kind of do enough to, to get the win, I think it's 
it's a good step in the positive momentum. Like, you know, it, it, with that Browns team, it feels like they're just kind of trying to get steer the ship back straight. And, you know, I think that this was a, a fantastic step when you're going to beat a division rival, but also a team that is supposed to be at the top of that division. And I, I agree. I, I, you know, I don't love why Deshaun Watson put himself, you know, right. in, in oh, this man. bad situation, but right. uh, he's definitely got to feel a level of relief that, you know, it doesn't at least from week one, it doesn't seem like this is going to be a repeat of last year for, for the time being, at least. And it's tough to bring him up because, man, I think about the victims. What are they thinking? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You got a, a stadium cheering and, I mean. Stands full of his jersey. Right, right. Yeah. And, listen, they're cheering the player. They're right. obviously not cheering the actions. Right. But if you're a victim, you you might think of that and have a different vantage point. Like, what Absolutely. is going on? Do I even matter? For right. those reasons, That that's rough right, right. there. But those are the, the, the more complex uh, oh, yeah. storylines on that. I have someone else on my list, Chris. Yeah. Matthew Stafford. Okay. Had to feel great for Stafford. Yeah. He had a 5-12 and 12 season last year. You mm -hmm. were banged up. His wife was on a podcast saying <laughs> yeah. it's hard to connect with these young guys. They're always yeah. on their phones. And Next thing you know, Puka's got 119 yards yeah. receiving. Tutu Atwell's got a buck 19. Yeah. And you go in and you steamroll the Seahawks. Yeah. That yeah. had to feel fantastic. Yeah, you pointed at it there. To me, the big reason why he's got to feel great is he didn't have Cooper Cup, and he was still able to to produce with those numbers and then get the win, a huge win over a team that has a lot of expectation. It's just good for vibes, too. Yeah, you mentioned he, he's struggled to kind of connect with his teammates. Like, I, I think winning is definitely something that'll do that. And, you know, I, I think it's a great sign for, for their season that they were able to pull through that win. And Stafford had had a great game. Like, that, Stafford has kind of been somebody who – you don't really know how to rate him. He was on such bad Lions teams, but, you know, was kind of, I guess, a bright spot of, of those bad years and then goes to the Rams, instantly wins a Super Bowl, gets hurt last year. Mm -hmm. it, I think that this is all just, yeah, Matt Stafford's got to be feeling good and, and it's it's good for his, his kind of rep around the league. I think it still shows that He's still got something in there. I think a lot of people were, were already counting on his downfall, and, and he definitely showed uh, he's still got some life in him. No, absolutely. Yeah. He completely does. Yeah. All right, coming up next, what's the biggest story in the NFL right now? You mm. think about college football, Deion Sanders is yes. a huge story. Massive. W what's the biggest story we have in the NFL right now? What do you put at the top of the list? Mm. We'll compare notes. I'm Brian No. He's Chris Watkins. It's Sacktown Sports and SacktownSports.com.